Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege we have this morning to look into your word, to study it. We trust you with everything we are doing this morning, that your name be glorified, your purpose, your will be fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, our topic this morning is, you know, the main topic that we're talking about is developing a mature, vibrant spiritual life. But this morning we want to talk about understanding God's expectation for calling you. Because that's what, that's what will make you really develop a vibrant spiritual life. In Jude chapter 3, verse 14, it says there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Talking about a lot of people who haven't really decided which way their life. So last week we discussed the spiritual mature Christian life and try to understand how it looks like, how it looks like with the examples, what it is and what it is not. So today we want to go further and examine how we can practically develop and live a spirit-filled life. Number one is to understand why you're a Christian. You need to understand why God called you to be a Christian. If we don't understand that purpose of being called and saved, we will miss out on what God is pursuing in our lives and we'll be at cross purposes with God and it won't help. It will help us when we pursue the same thing that God is pursuing. If we have the same vision that God has about our lives. And again, that's what God will really be engaged in, in trying to achieve in our lives. So, understanding why God called you as a Christian and pursuing it is very important. In Ephesians 1.18, I'm reading the message. It says, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. So you can see what God is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life he has for Christians. That you see, you understand what God is calling you to do. So like I said, understanding this purpose of God in calling us is the starting point of developing a strong, mature Christian life. Now, we have some misunderstood, popular, noble, but not it, goals we say, because we don't get distance. It's good to work hard to be better, but that's not what he called you to do. See why, if you don't get it, you will pursue what he didn't call you. Amazing point. And you'll never get to where he wants you to go. Oh, trying to be better is wonderful. Who doesn't want to be better? Nobody is knocking that. So, but that's what a lot of Christians think he had to do. <laughs> that's what they think God called me to do.
But you know, the purpose of God is to remove you from doing exactly that. Exactly. To take you away from doing exactly that. Because you can't do it. Only he can do it. It's to take you away from that. So you see, if you don't get what I'm preaching this morning, you'll be struggling where God said don't go. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. For he that is entreated, he that is entered into his rest. The work rest does not mean your work. Rest is rest. He that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his what? Works. Do, do you get what I'm trying to say? God wants you to cease from your work. From your level. As God did from his, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. It says it's unbelief to continue to labor when God says stop. In Matthew eleven twenty, then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are what? Heavily laden, this translation says, weary and carry heavy burdens of trying to do this and do that and be better here. And, and you never really make it anyway till it becomes a burden. He said, come to me, all of you, that who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. You see, the word rest keeps reappearing, keeps recurring, keeps coming over and over. It's a labor. Make every effort to cease from your labor. Does it look like I'm trying to be better then? If you say I'm trying to be better, I will tell you to labor more. But that's where many Christians are. Again, I'm not saying it's not a good idea. I mean, I'm trying to be better. Everybody's trying to be better. But get back to why God says, called you and what he wants you to do. And then this trying to be better will resolve itself. Can I hear amen? Now, how will you even make yourself better anyway? In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who make it thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? See, who makes you to be better? This, I'm trying to be better. Who is the one that makes you to be better? Are you yourself making yourself better? Everything you have is receive it. You say, if you resist, receive it, why are you boasting now? As if you didn't receive it. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. You are not even smart enough to lead yourself. God <laughs> says, stop. You can't lead yourself. You don't have the wisdom. You can't do anything. Oh, no, I have to. I say, I know what I'm doing. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with what? 
I want to hear you here. Trust in the Lord with what? And lean not unto. That closes all our, all our wisdom up. Every one of it. Shuts it down right away. All of it. In all their ways, do what? Acknowledge him. Then he shall direct your path. He shut down all our wisdom, all our planning, all our days. Verse 7. Let's read verse 7 together. I want to go. Be not wise in thy own what? Eyes. Fear the Lord and what? You know what that evil is? It's being wise in your own eyes. You see, remember there's God. Stop all that self-planning and self-this and self-that. It's called the arm of the flesh. It will always fail you. But that's where many Christians are. That's what we struggle to do. That's why we fail. We fail. Many people, 10 years, 15 years, they are still fighting to stop three anger tantrums. Instead of getting better, they are getting what? What's, check what I'm telling you. And we give up a lot of things because we've been trying to change it. We've been trying to get better. We've been trying. That's not what he called you to do. So, if, you know, I was raised in a very legalistic Christian environment. This was really what, one of the things that finished me. My wife told me, said I used to have headache all the time. Real headache all the time. All this strongly. He said, man, I never got perfect. I try and try, I fail again. So, me too. And, you know, it made us begin to boast in ourselves. If you visited us, she, because she's the one I follow her, she we will put cassette for you and go into the room and be praying for you. <laughs> Won't even show you love, nothing. Real story, because we considered you not good enough. You see, when we think we have achieved something, pride sets in. The natural thing is comparison. Have you heard people say, eh, I, and they call themselves what? Christ. Have you heard that language before? And it's common. You see what you're saying? Is that I'm a higher pedestal and they are lower. They call themselves Christians. I'm different. No, you are not. All saved by grace. And we're all growing. Amen? So look at what the scripture says about this thing. It says in, in Psalm 34, verse 2, My soul shall make her boast where? In the Lord, not in me. The humble now shall hear thereof and be glad what the Lord has my soul shall make up his boast in the Lord. And Paul, writing to the church, referred to this scripture in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, 
who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, 31. That according as it is written, written where in the book of Psalm, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in who? In the Lord, the Lord. So the main purpose of God's call for us, what is God expecting of me and expecting of you in the New Testament? Why did God call us? What does he want us to do now that we are saved? Is to give ourselves totally, completely to him. That's all. You know, the man who Pastor Victor was praying yesterday, I was praying this thing. I will be having singing it. I saw him, I said, today, here is exactly what God told me. It was like confirming this thing. That all that God wants you and me to do is to give ourselves, surrender ourselves completely, totally, to what? To him. And stop struggling. It's so different from the popular thing we do. So different. And the Bible tells us it's going to take you struggle to do that. Say labor. It's going to struggle because you've been going this direction. Because once surrender, then you are looking for what am I now supposed to be doing? I want you to follow me here. Because if you do, if you redirect your life, a lot will change. You know, this thing I'm teaching that God began to tell me to teach it. Billy Graham, I think Billy Graham, when God revealed this to him, he was struggling in life. And he went to God and said, so all you want me to do is sorry. He, he, he called himself, he said, he said, I'm a slave now to you. I surrender everything. From that point, his ministry, that's where his international ministry started, in that close decision to say, what you, your purpose for me is now my what? Purpose. He gave it all to God. I didn't even remember it. It was this morning the Lord reminded me of that story. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own what? Purchased special people that you may say that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This work is done through the spirit that works in you. Look at the next scripture we're reading here. Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to who? Uh -uh. Oh, it's not up there. Now, all glory to who? Who is what? Ever. Through his what? Mighty power. At work where? Within us. What is he supposed to do? To accomplish infinitely more than you might ask or what? Think. God is saying, seize. Give me yourself. I am the one who will accomplish in your life more than you can think, more than you can accomplish, more than you can even pray for. If you get a shout, hallelujah, that's what he said. 
surrender it to me. Hand it over to me. Season your labor. Give it to me. And you know he has already done some stuff in us when we came to Christ. In Christ, he, when we came to Christ, I was telling you about John the Baptist, when, when the, the Jews were talking about John the Baptist and, and his fasting and Jesus was trying to teach them that my ministry is different. What I brought you, you can't you can fast yourself into it. I brought you something totally different. He's talking about pouring this wine into the new vessel. And I told you that the new wine is his life, is the spirit of God, and we're the vessel. And God, because we're the vessel, filled us with himself. He poured his life where? Into us. Where he gave us Christ. The Bible says Christ is the fullness of who? God. So when you have Christ in you, you have what? Fullness of God. My question to you is, what else do you need? I'm asking you. If you have fullness of God, my brother, tell me what else you need that he won't do, that he can't do, that he can't produce. Tell me what that thing is. You know, we sing this song, complete, complete, complete. We don't understand it. What you are saying to yourself is, I don't need anything more. God has done all he needs to do in my life. to equip me to be all he wants me to be. But that spirit in him, that spirit of God in us, we need to yield to him. We need to surrender to him. So look at Ephesians 1.23. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ. It's made full and what? Complete by who? By Christ. Who feels, who feels what? All things everywhere with what? That includes you. Who feels all things everywhere with himself. In Colossians 2.10, and you are complete in him, who is the head of the, all principality and power. The Spirit of God is saying you are complete because I have filled you with myself. I have put myself in you. Christ is the completeness of God. And Christ in me is the completeness of God. Where? In me. And my question to you again is, what do you lack that God is not? What do you lack that God can produce is not? You see why it says, we are complete. And what? All that you are ritual you are doing. Paul was writing to church in Colossians. He said, said, all that ritualism is demonic. He said, it doesn't come from Christ. 
He says, I'm telling your collection. I say, you're complete. Don't need all this touch. This dude. He said, you don't need all of that. Because Christ in you has made you complete. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. So, God wants me to use the spirit of Christ in me. Because it's the one that walketh in me now to will and to do of what? It's good pleasure. That I have to yield everything that I am to him. Everything. So that he can do that which is abundantly above all I can think, accomplish, or pray about. Which one is better? The one you do or the one he does? You are not answering me. If the one he does is better, then he says, hand over your life, what? To me. Give it to me. All this labor of trying to build this, labor of trying to do this. You've tried, you failed. Be honest with yourself. You are still a troublemaker. After 15 years, give it to me. Hand it over to me. Ephesians 1.14. Ephesians 1.14 says, the spirit, of, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us. Purchased us. He has what? Purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we will praise and glorify him. I am purchased. Purchased is he owns. You can't be fighting with him over what he paid for. The Bible says we were slaves of sin. We were slaves of Satan. He came and purchased us. Legally purchased us. With his life. So I don't have any right not to surrender this my life to what? And Ephesians 1.18 says we are God's own inheritance. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious what? inheritance. What is an inheritance? An inheritance is what belongs to you. He said, you, 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 you are God's rich, glorious inheritance. He inherited us. He purchased us. We are no more our own. Are you following me? If you are following me, shout hallelujah. <laughs> you are a gift to Jesus. Brother the Kakam. Come up here. I want, we are wearing suit, very beautiful suit, so come. Both of us are wearing suit. So come up. I want to demonstrate something with my brother. I always love to demonstrate with Brother Dave. He's a very cheerful man. Brother Dave, come. Now, a gift to Brother Dave. Brother Dave, this is New Year, and I want to give you a gift. And this is your gift. Does he have the right to it? Eh? Do you have the right to it? The wife is looking at me like... 
You don't have the right to it. Who has the right to it? Now, Brodev is standing and representing Christ. And Gida, can you come? Let's, let's show you something. Let's just demonstrate something for you. Come over here. And he that founded the wife and obtained it what? Married, right? So, who among you here has a right to her? Nobody. Right? Come on, represent the church. Your husband represents Jesus. You can, don't give him lunch. Now, he represents Jesus, right? And Jesus came to marry the church. Absolutely true. And God took his bride and what? Is she. Everything she is belongs to. Is that not what we say at the wedding? All I have, God gave you as a gift to Christ. And the Bible said, that in the natural marriage is one flesh, but in this marriage is one spirit. In the natural marriage, Ephesians 5, read it all. He said, they have become, a man shall live, so you leave everything, everything is left, and be joined to Christ. Become one spirit. One spirit, one flesh, death do us part. One spirit, death does not separate it. It's eternal. You get what I'm saying? Thank you. John 17, 24. Father, I want these whom you have, what? Given to me. God gave us his bride to his son. Study Ephesians 5. You read that. We see where I was telling that Paul was talking. He said, I'm talking of, this is a great mystery. So I'm talking of marriage. Christ and his church. God gave you. God gave you. Look at yourself. You say, I'm a gift to Jesus. I, I didn't hear it well. I'm a gift to Jesus. God took you and gave to his son. He's the bridegroom. You are his bride. Join to him one spirit. Eternally. We'll never be separated. Praise the Lord. That's why you have to surrender your all to him. You have to. Now, let's see a group of Christians who, are in, who didn't understand this, and then they're trying to pursue different goals. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not 
your oh Paul said you don't get it. You are you know your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. They thought, they didn't understand that the purpose of this call is to surrender everything. So they thought they still have a right over their body. And in an attempt to be a Christian the way we try to be, they were misusing their body. Because without Christ, you can do, they were misusing their body. Misusing their body. So Paul introduced himself in Romans 1.1. This letter is from Paul. Am I communicating to you? You need to have a paradigm shift of surrender. Believe you me. You need to have a paradigm shift of surrender. And, you know, I wrote so many things I wanted to teach this and the Lord said, no. Christians don't know why I call you. He said, you can't grow unless you, uh, the same, you pursue the same purpose with me. He said, the call is for surrender. Not do this and do this. Surrender. You can't even lead yourself. I'm here to lead you. Surrender. That's why Jesus called, called us to follow me. You can't follow yourself. Just follow me. Surrender. You know, my children came to me one time. They said, Daddy, why, how can we marry? He said, we see all these married people in church. He said, they don't look happy. He said, he said, we see them. He said, the husband is there. The wife is there. He said, we're wondering, is this what marriage is? They were talking to both of us. They said, we don't think we want to get involved in this type of thing. In fact, one of them told us, he said, he said, people don't know that we are really afraid of marriage. Christ called us to follow him in close waters, not distance, to walk where he, where? Follow. You don't have sense if you follow me. If wherever I walk, put your leg, follow me. You are my wife. You have been given to me. So Romans 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Did you see that his first introduction is not I'm an apostle? His first introduction is not I'm an apostle. His first introduction is that I'm a slave to Christ. I've been bought. I belong to him. Even in the sea, he said, God, of to whom I belong. He, he always introduces himself as somebody bought and who belongs to Christ. Always. That thing was his uppermost desire and pursuit. You will see it in the Bible. He owned nothing. He said, Christ is my all and all. Everything. He was pursuing this purpose of, for which he was called to always belong to Christ. So he didn't say, Paul and Apostle, no. First he said, I'm a slave of Christ. That's my first call. That's my first purpose. I can't do anything apart from what the master says. He is the one walking in me. He's the one at work. 
Galatians 22, 20. I am crucified with Christ. <laughs> Amazing statement. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. He says, not I. It's not Paul. I live, but not I. But Christ is the one that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I want you to listen. I, I try to define this faith of the Son of God during the watch night service. You know, there are different types of faith. But Jesus lived by a different faith. His faith was in his Father. Paul said, I live by the same faith that Christ lived. I put my faith in Christ. You know, there is like the scriptures say that some people, they trust in chariots. That's a different faith. Some trust in horses. That's a different faith. Are you following me? Like today, some people trust in their money, in their dollar, in their... And listen to me, church. If you ever have a second plan, you will never trust God. It's not going to happen. If you have second plan, in this your life, you're not gonna, look, you, you have, you have you, you, multitude in value of decision, you're not going to trust God because your mind is in God, but you are thinking of your second plan. Even in prayer, be wishy-washy. You don't have all that total confidence in God. Esther said, if I perish, I what? That's what works. No second plan. That's called faith in God. Paul said, Paul said it, he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. No longer I. So if it's no longer I, so I'm not trying to do anything better. I just trust him. I'm a slave to him. Totally belong to him. Now you can understand Hebrew 11.6. Hebrew 11.6. But without faith now, it is what? Because now it is faith that makes you depend on him 100%. So if you can't trust him, he can't work that thing in you that you can't do. That thing which is abundantly above all you can think Pray about you can do it, and the life that we're called to live is not within human grasp. It's a supernatural life of God. It's not within human grasp. It's not what the law can do. Paul said, "If righteousness comes from the Lord, then Christ died even." No, the law couldn't make us righteous. It's not what a man can do. All that trying to be better, trying to do this, trying to do this, you are depending on the arm of the flesh. Your answer is the arm of the Lord, who is Christ, the Savior. Without faith in Him, it's impossible. Oh, brethren, it's impossible. To please. You cannot understand it. You know this, sometimes we think 
we are good enough. And then we think we have earned divine acceptance. You will never earn divine acceptance. Forget it. Not in this life. It's not possible. Christ came to mediate peace between you and who? God. And it's right now in the presence of God, ministering to him with his blood on our behalf. That's what guarantees peace. On that mercy seat, the blood is talking. So you can come to God boldly now to obtain grace and find what? Find what? Grace and mercy, does it give you a picture of what you earn? I'm asking you. Does it give you any idea you earned anything? If you are praying in the name of Jesus, it doesn't even tell you you don't have any name recognition in heaven. It's called being humble. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. So God can give you what you don't make. So in Philippians 2, 13, Am I shooting over your head? If you are with me, shout hallelujah. Because <laughs> you need to have that paradigm shift, I'm telling you. You have to. If you do, then the Spirit of God will start building you spiritually, giving you revelation, giving you guidance, giving you his strength will be your strength. That's what God told Paul. He said, my strength is made, what? Perfect in your weakness. When you hand it over to me and say, Lord, I can't. So that's when I show up. Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Both to will and to do. So you have to learn to depend on him 100%. Colossians 3.11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, skittim, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. He is all in all in my life, in, in your life, and some translations say he's all that matters. Now, Paul understood this purpose and pursued it, like I said. Look at Philippians 3, verse 12. I admit, I'm reading TPT. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance, into his abundance, so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. That's a purpose for which he took me. Look, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but let the Holy Spirit grab you. That's a purpose for which he called me. That's a purpose for which he laid his hand on me. He said, I'm pursuing that purpose. To make me his own. He grabbed me. To make me what? His own. He didn't send me to go and be labor. No, to make me his own. Let's go down to verse 19. He says in okay, verse 18, for there are many who live by different standards. 
Don't join them by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross of the anointed one. And verse 19, doom awaits them. Why? Their God has possessed them. They belong to a different God, but they are Christians. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their boast is in their shameful lifestyle and their minds are in the dust. Their God has possessed them. Say me. Christ laid hold on me so he can possess me. So I become his own. The book of Romans teaches the same. Romans 6 verse 10. It says, when he died, I want everybody to listen to this book of Romans I'm reading. When he died, he died once, once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. And alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not therefore now. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to your sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give. Let's read it together. Give what? Yourselves what? Completely to who? To God. For you were dead, but now you have been made alive. Give your life. What? You are not talking. Give. If you are not talking, I will resign. Give what? Your life what? Completely to God. That's what I'm talking here. Surrender it to him. Lay it there. Oh, I went sometime to our altar there. I, I was at the altar. I laid flat. I said, Lord, I came to consecrate my life afresh. I said, from today, I will not do this again. I will not do this again. I will not do this again. Lord, I will not do this again. And I think I can't remember. I shed a little tear, small tear there. You know, Lord, you know, to make it. And the Lord asked me a question. You know, after you've done that for a while, God is asking you, what are you doing there? Huh? I said, Lord, I am consecrating. He said, what are you doing there? I said, Lord, I'm consecrating. They asked me again, what are you doing there? I said, Lord, you know, I'm consecrating now. I don't want to do this one again. He said, okay, if you don't want to do them, why are you here? Go outside now. Go and be doing this. You don't have to come here. Since you can handle it, leave this place. Go. Go and change yourself. I still didn't get it. He said, do you know what consecration means? I said, no. He said, consecration is to bring the white flag and say, I feel I can't. Only you can. He said, when you hand your life over to me, that's what I want. Because I'm the one at work in you to make, to will and what? Do my good pleasure. So all this, you, you are telling me what you want to do, what you, can, what you are going to do, what you are not going to do. So why did you come here? Go now. Do you understand that conversation? So why didn't you come here now? If you can, go, go. Romans 6 tells us that we should give ourselves completely to God. Lord Jesus teaches the same thing. 
in Matthew chapter 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mama. Now, in um, Sermon on the Mount, that's, what, that's, that's incredible. Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus laid down the principles of the kingdom of God. I hope you know that's what he did. He taught us there the principles of what? Kingdom of God. And he brought this surrender right there, laid it out. I'm telling you. So let's read it. Maybe because of time, we'll stop with that. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor, what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For what? They are the kingdom of heaven. Let's continue. Blessed are are they that what? Mourn for they shall be comforted. Then blessed are they that, blessed are the what? The meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then what again? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's take just this one. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Look up here. You know what poor in spirit means? Poor in spirit means you have nothing. You have taken this your life and everything that you have handed over to God, nothing left. That's what he's talking about. He didn't say poor in the carnal sense. He's talking about the spiritual realm. In the kingdom of God, if, if this is what it is, poor in the spirit, in the spirit realm, in the spirit interpretation, not in the world interpretation, is that you have everything you are, everything you have, you've handed it over to God and you have nothing left behind. You go to the book of Acts, you see right there. The Bible said no, they claim nothing was their own. They claim nothing was their own. You see right there. Then let's talk about the uh, Let's talk about uh, the, in the first Timothy 2. I'm talking about, uh, okay, those who mourn, who still come to first Timothy 2. Those who mourn, what does it mean? What does it mean to mourn? It's talking about, it's not talking about, you know, those who are quiet and you know, or who cry when they're praying. No. It's talking about those who are, putting the kingdom business first. You know the kingdom business is to pray for the lost. Those who in their spirit are starred for the lost, they mourn for those who are going to hell. They put kingdom business first. It's all about surrendering everything, following instruction. Put kingdom business first. They mourn. It pays them that people are going to hell. So in their prayer, their first prayer is about that. They preach the gospel, blessed are those who mourn. Not those who are selfish. All their prayer topic is for them, their husband, their children, they're not mourning. They have not surrendered everything to God. Their vision is totally different. First Timothy 2.1. 
I exhaust, therefore, that first of all, first of all, first of all is what? First of all, in your prayer, first of all, blessed are those who mourn. First of all, when the Holy Spirit says first of all, he knows what he's talking about. Supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for what? For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, verse 3, for this is good and what? Uh, many of you are not talking. Because your prayer list must change today. For verse 3, for this is what? Good and what? Acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have what? All men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ, Jesus. These people have surrendered all their purpose to God. Say, Lord, if this is the first thing, that's the first thing for me. I want you to check your prayer list and see which one comes first. Even this may not even appear. May not be there. Look at 2 Peter 2.7. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. He didn't know that a lot of Christians are even siding in with the world. They dress like the world, talk like the world, do everything like the world. They're not even, that people are wearing, wearing a bonter, so it doesn't concern them. People are, a whole, somebody that is, that is saying is wearing rag. And Christian joint, call it fashion of this world. And the Bible said, don't follow the fashions of this world. Their God is the devil. Look at somebody else here. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and had day and after day. Christians go to television and watch those rotten nonsense. The same thing. Send their children the same thing. Blessed are those who mourn. Lord was mourning. And the Bible put him there as an example. People who have surrendered their purpose to God and what pains God pains them. Oh, when you do this, your, your language becomes God's language. Your word becomes God's word. Your action becomes God's inspired. Your unity with Christ manifests physically. Ecclesiastes 22, 30. And I sought for a man among them that you make up the head and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. No mourners. Well, Brokris was passionately pleading with us, pleading with us to preach the gospel. I said, Brokris, year in, year out, this appeal has gone out. But people loved the world more than God. 
They want to use God for miracle, use God for money, use God for dollar, but they don't want God to use them for the kingdom purpose. Second Corinthians five thirteen. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. We are no more controlling ourselves. Something is taking over our lives since we believe. Fellow Christian, listen to a fellow believer, write the truth. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. They have been bought. It is not a superficial surrender thing. No, it won't work like that. They have been bought. They have been bought. He died for everyone so that those who, live, who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. When you live for Christ, why are you not mourning about what Christ came to die for? Why is it not pain in your heart what you're seeing? Where does it touch your spirit? Is it not the same spirit that was in Christ that he went to the tomb of Lazarus and wept that humanity that God created to reign over everything, that my God is eating him up? This is God's creation that God says you dominate everything. I was, it was Adam that gave my God his name. They, they told Jesus, he is smelling. Somebody created in the glory of God smelling. Jesus wept. He broke his heart. He broke his heart. Get your children to church, simple. No. I do well, let's go. Do well, let's go. Doing well in school. Yeah. Yeah, pastor, you know. Why would that so end? How oh, is that doing well in school? <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn. God said, I look for a man to stand in the gap. I saw nobody. All their prayers for me to do this for them because they are not pursuing my purpose. They are not handed their all to who? To me. So that I can control it. If I'm controlling it, I will control that heart. Paul said the love of God controls us. So that we now love what God loves, we hate what God hates, and what starts God starts us. We are in unity with the Spirit of Christ. That's Christianity. I will end with this one. It says that the meek, the meek hold on to nothing. A meek person, a meekness is Easily entreated. Whatever God says goes. There's no argument about it. They have given up their own intelligence, their own smartness, their own everything. Everything. Meek. First Peter 3, 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Great price. A meek heart surrenders it to God. You don't have to shout. You don't have to preach a lot. 
if it's God, he says, yes, Lord. Have it. The devil said, but they did do this. And no, my Lord wants me to forgive. That's why I'm headed. He owns me. I'm a slave. I don't have option. A mixed spirit. That's what Moses had. I was telling the man. And God was talking to him, what? Not to my heart. Because he wanted to learn. He said, God, teach me your ways. And God was teaching him. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name.